0: I'm Nick Turzo, and you are listening to The Radical. This week's guest is not only a musician, but a talented director. Her band, Kills Birds, have released their newest album, Married, earlier this month. The Los Angeles Times calls it a confrontational rock record, and with its ringing guitars, it displays the best of punk music. Lead singer, Nina Letty joins me to discuss her songwriting process, her path to punk music via Nirvana, working at Dave Grohl's Studio 606, and directing music videos for the likes of Crowded House and Phoebe Bridgers. Coming up, my conversation with Nina Letty. Hi, Nina. Hello. I'm excited to speak to you. Thank you for doing this.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: So you have a band called
1: Killsbirds.
0: There is a new record. um, By the time this publishes, it's out um, called Married. Um, And I have to say, I listened to it and man, it is a wall of sound. Um, Those guitars, man, are revved up on this record.
1: Yeah, they are. Yeah. Jacob did an amazing job with those.
0: Yeah. Holy smokes. I haven't heard guitars like that in a long time. So they're fired up.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. He's he's an incredible musician. It's an honor to play with him.
0: And uh, you recorded this in the uh, studio of one Mr. Dave Grohl. Um, Who's that? Yeah, who is Who is that guy? Yes, um,
1: he did. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating character. I, I've well, I met him way back in I think nineteen ninety. So uh, I'm old. Um, how was that experience for you? Um, was that your first time, kind of in a very proper studio? Or I know this is what, your second record.
1: Yeah, it definitely it was our first time in a proper studio. Um, our first record was recorded in. Justin Raisin's home studio, and we did it over the course of eight hours. So it was very like, you know, guns blazing, chaotic, just trying to get it done and like record it as it was. And this was the first time that we had, well, we had a week, (laughs) you know, which is a luxury. And, um, you know, obviously Studio 606 is such an incredible space, you know, not just because of the Neve console, but because of the history there. it was really just, it was unbelievable. It's still kind of hard to, you know, accept our good fortune and that, you know, life could kind of lead us to that place. So it's very cool.
0: That is, congratulations. That's fantastic. And how fast were you able to make this record then? Well, we, More than eight hours? <laughs>
1: definitely more than eight hours. You recorded it, um, over the course of, of, you know, the week that we had at Studio 606 and then, yeah, some overdubs like a few months later, but it was, it was also, you know, relatively quick, but it's all, I feel like, you know, I I feel like especially with these first two records, um, those were kind of the perfect condition for recording these records in, you know, we'll see what happens with record three, how we develop as artists. I'm sure artists, I'm sure that we would, uh, you know, appreciate a more, you know, a longer period of time in the studio, but it was, it was perfect for what we wanted to do for married. Yeah, um, we
0: used we used to take three months um, back yeah, in you know, the, the olden days. <laughs>
1: I don't get that. I'm like, what are you doing for three months? You know? <laughs>
0: well, it, it kind of broke out that like you would spend two weeks maybe, or 10 days on basic tracks. Um, then you would do about a month of overdubs and singing um, and then you would mix for a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, that's a luxury. That yeah, a luxury.
0: imagine that. Yeah. We used to mix a song a day.
1: <laughs> yeah. Three Spotify days
0: too, I'm sure. Oh, it was, it was, it was. Um, so I read that the, you know, the LA Times kind of had this interesting quote about your record, calling it a confrontational rock record. Um, <laughs> how do you respond to that? What's that mean to you?
1: I don't know uh, what that means. I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> what are you um, confronting?
1: <laughs> I appreciate it, but maybe, I don't know. I I, I guess I'm just, conf- I don't know. That's Nobody's ever asked me that before, but I would say that I'm probably more than anybody confronting myself <laughs> and my own insecurities and mistakes, um, especially in that first record, um, for sure. Yeah. The second one is a little bit, There are a lot more layers to it, I would say.
0: Why do you feel that way about the first so much?
1: I think, I'm speaking for myself here, you know, obviously, especially Jacob has experience being in other bands, but Kills Birds for me was my first real musical project. And I think, you know, with that comes this uh, chaos and just intense desire to express everything you've ever wanted to say in one record because you don't know if you're ever going to be able to make a second one you don't know what's going to happen, you know? And, and I was so, that was only three years ago, but I felt so young then than I do now, especially after COVID. I feel like I've just aged so much, but I think being that age and and going through so, so much heartbreak and and confusion and anxiety and, and trying to express it all in one record is where I feel that chaos comes from. That's at least what I get when I listen to our first LPs. I sense that like, Um, impatience and energy within myself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and you've put upon expectations, right? You pile on all these expectations and it just adds to the anxiety.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So in this record, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I mean, we're all coming into COVID. I'm sure there was no touring for you. So do you feel that that kind of isolation and the, I don't know, the uncertainty of that? is uh, represented in the songwriting in this new record
1: absolutely although we wrote a couple songs before the pandemic started um we were playing around with rabbit natalie and ptl before the pandemic if i remember correctly um like the bulk of the record came together during covid you know, like many bands, we obviously lost a lot of opportunities, um, you know, when when touring got canceled and everything was kind of, you know, put on pause. And I myself spent the first, you know, the, the bulk of the pandemic by myself. I was living by myself. I was alone. My family was far away. I didn't have anybody, you know, so I think that kind of, you know, was a recipe for you know, having periods of like self-reflection and, um, you know, reckoning with, you know, things from my past and who I wanted to be versus who I actually was and what I was what you know, what I expected of myself at that point, you know, none of those things really coming to fruition. I, I like went from being 28 to 30 in the pandemic, you know, which was tragic. And I think like, as a woman, you're sort of you know, even though it's not so much like I would say like of relevance and like current culture, you still you still have that innate feeling like you need to be settling down or you need to be in this place by the time you're 30 or you're going to have to think about having kids sooner or what is your life as you reach this next chapter. You know, those are all things that I'm still dealing with, you know, but they're definitely touched upon a lot on married, you know, these like constructs of what it's like um to be a woman and just to be a person going through such a such a unique um circumstance.
0: Yeah, and I'd like you know, your background is fascinating to me. I mean, your parents fled Bosnia and Sarajevo during the conflict there and moved to Canada. So you got you got totally uprooted culturally. Mm-hmm. Um how old were you when that happened?
1: We left in June, so I was 14 months old.
0: So your awareness was not at that age, not so high.
1: <laughs> I don't remember anything about it. The, my my only the only thing I really remember my earliest memory is you know watching my parents watch the war on our television in Canada and you know at that time it was you know like Sarajevo was getting blown up we had Srebrenica which was um, the genocide of Bosnian Muslims and I was watching them kind of experienced that from afar and that informed me a lot you know more so escaping the country
0: was it yeah. difficult for the i imagine the assimilation for them into canada was difficult i mean were they able to come along with the language barriers and stuff? Did you have to serve that bridge a little bit as a child?
1: Listen, like my, obviously the interesting story is my parents escaping Bosnia, my dad fighting his way to call my mother, all those things. But to me, the most inspiring aspect of the story is what they did when they came to Canada. You know, they were immigrants they didn't know the language they didn't know a single person in that country they had no money whatsoever my dad would um you know work in construction for like 3 4 dollars an hour and then come home and walk the streets of Windsor like hoping he'd find a dollar on the ground that would save us for that night you know and and he worked to get my mom through dental school because she was a dentist in Bosnia and lost her license, you know, and 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 there was never a moment in, in my growing up ever, not even a moment, where I felt like they were gonna give up or I saw my parents complain. They just knew what they had to do. They had to start their life over in order to give a better life for me and ultimately my brother who was born in Canada and they succeeded just so like they just did so well for themselves. My mom opened up her own practice. My dad went back to college in his fifties and graduated at the top of his class. You know, they really like, they did not allow themselves to, um, you know, to, to pity themselves. They just didn't have time for that, you know? And I, and I think that that is really what a story that everybody should hear, especially with COVID when so many people lost so much, you know, and, um, they're just the most, they're just an incredible people I'm indebted to them. You know, I just absolutely adore them. My parents. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. It's, it's quite a story I have to say. So, um,
1: yeah, they're, they're my heroes. I, whatever success I have in my life, it's, it's, I hope that I can pay them back tenfold, even though they never asked me for anything. I hope I still can,
0: you know? You will. You probably already have in in a <laughs> different way than you know money. So, yeah. um, and so you you kind of left there. You 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 uh, were accepted at NYU. Was that film school or
1: no? Actually, I <laughs> I wanted to be an actress when I was in high school, and yeah, I got accepted in NYU. I think yeah, um, I was one of the first or something, or I, I don't remember what the story actually was. There's like some embarrassing article about me out there with the wearing a Slayer shirt, <laughs> <laughs> in a newspaper article, but yeah, I went to NYU and then I, I left the drama program two years in and I started to pursue film. And, uh, it's around that time that I started dabbling in music as well. Um, hoping I would start a band someday.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And how did the, uh, speaking of that, we want to transition. How did the band come about? How did you meet your fellow bandmates and create uh, Killbirds?
1: Uh, so it's actually Killsbirds.
0: Killsbirds. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm singular. Sorry.
1: It's okay. You can just go back. And <laughs> <laughs> I know it's confusing. Um, but uh, I met Jacob because he was acting too. And we were acting in a show together that never aired. It's like a pilot for something and then we became friends but it wasn't until a few years after that that we started getting together and experimenting with with uh with music and um ultimately that's sort of how killsbirds came to be it was really like very gradual like very unintentional we weren't really we never really set out to be you know a, a, like a serious rock band we were just kind of looking for respite from the movie industry that we were both in and the frustrations we were feeling with having so little control over our over our art that we decided to... We, we thought that by making music, we could take control back and, uh, and do things the way we wanted to and express ourselves freely.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more steps in film, isn't there? And it's years of work to get a project kind of done. I mean, you had success, though, like as a... A director though right on some music videos and such
1: yeah i did i mean i directed a feature film i've been lucky to work with some incredible artists like phoebe bridgers uh crowded house um, wallows on on music videos um so i've been very lucky but you know it's still uh it's it's still hard to kind of you know i feel like i'm i'm like waiting to take that step forward where i really have the freedom and control to do whatever project I want, you know? And right now it's still so like, it's still, it's, it's not a constant in my life, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm lucky than a lot of other filmmakers and, and, and the projects that I've, I've, I've uh, been able to do and that I'm getting to do, you know, but it's, I still lack that kind of um, creative freedom and mobility, you know, that I do have with music which is why it's so important. It's
0: awesome. And how did you, um, you know, your path to songwriting and stuff? I mean, was that, uh, you know, it was outside of where you were starting or focusing your studies anyway. Um, how did that develop for you? Or what creativity practices do you use across, you know, mediums?
1: It's actually always been a part of my life. I was a you know, I, I was I started taking classical piano when I was six and I continued to to train as a classical pianist until I was eighteen years old. Um and then pursued that in college as well. In addition, you know, when I got into punk music at 14, 15, I was writing lyrics nonstop at that point. You know, I had these Vague ideas in my mind of, of of what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to express myself musically, but I wasn't exactly sure how, and I frankly didn't have the confidence to to really like push myself in that direction. But it was it was always a part of my life, you know. Um, even as a kid, like I was more drawn to music than I ever was uh, filmmaking or anything. Um, so it just kind of it, it naturally came to the surface. And what I feel was the right time.
0: Right. And what's interesting, I kind of read something where I think you said that, you know, your path to punk was kind of through discovering Nirvana. Um, yeah. And I'm curious about that a little bit. And it's funny to see that come full circle, or whatever, with Grohl. Um, talk a little bit about that.
1: So sorry to Dave, but I did download Smells Like Teen Spirit off of LimeWire when I was 14. Uh, Sorry, Busted. Yeah, I did. Um, and it's because I heard a kid talking about it at school and I, you know, curiosity was developing within me at that point, uh, to discover new kinds of music. And, you know, I'll never forget the first time I heard smells like teen spirit, you know, it's just like this whole, like physical reaction that I had, Uh, you know, chills. Like I could see my life. I was just different you know, from that moment forward, like the old version of me was gone, you know? And I was late to the game. Like I know a lot of kids were listening to Nirvana when they were like 10, 11, I was 14, 15, because I didn't really have, you know, an adult or an older cousin to kind of guide me. You know, my parents were very much like listening to Bosnian music, maybe some classic rock, you know, but yeah. So it just totally changed my life. And from that moment forward, I just, like, had this, like, insatiable hunger for all the music, you know, what bands inspired Nirvana, and then what bands inspired those bands, but then also what's this other thing called thrash metal that I'm suddenly just, like, absolutely obsessed with, you know, and it's just, like, it's it's funny how much how much that music really kind of, like, changed my personality and my and my outlook on life for the better like I really became myself through discovering that I don't know who I would be if I if I never if I never heard that I don't know I don't think that that version of myself is possible but yeah it's very important
0: that's awesome and I mean do you feel as a woman that it's a um it's more of a challenge you know to play punk music or kind of something that's more hardcore um than not
1: i never i never felt that um i you know even when i was a kid i was like you know we would go to bosnia to visit my grandparents and i'd be in my grandma's bathroom like trying to learn how to scream like kurt cobain like you know i always like i I was always like if i'm going to be a front person like a front person I'm, i'm gonna be just a front person i'm not gonna let anything about myself dictate you know what this band can be and where this band can go you know um but i do think that you know one thing that i'm so thankful for about discovering nirvana especially is that i felt for the first time like protected by something as well you know like i i i realized that um that like I don't know how to say this in the right way, but when I was a young girl in high school, I I had a different I had a difficult high school experience. Um I had a crazy like teacher who, you know, took advantage of me in a lot of ways and I allowed him to do that for so many years. After I discovered Nirvana and these punk bands, I felt empowered for the first time to rebel against this teacher. You know, it bit me in the ass. Because he, you know, he got angrier <laughs> instead of backing off. But I felt empowered for the first time through this music, and in a way that I'd never had been before. In fact, as a kid, I, I often saw myself as being like pretty weak, um, pretty shy, and and insecure, and uh, you know, of having low worth. So, yeah.
0: Well, you're overcoming all of that, clearly. What's interesting is, you know, early on here, I mean, it's fairly early, your second record being out. um, You've attracted this incredible amount of talented people around you, on your team. A remarkable group of kind of really influential musicians that love your band. I mean, what does this all mean to you? What is the... (laughs) I, it's a it's a remarkable. Congratulations!
1: Thank you. It's I, again. It's kind of hard to believe, you know. When when you're a kid and you're lying in bed at night and you're imagining all these things that people will say about you someday, you know, I can say that like having Dave Grohl and Kim Gordon and you know and Haley Williams on that list was you know definitely what I had always hoped for. But once it actually happens, you're kind of like. I don't believe this. You know, it's hard to, just because, like, how could, you know, to have your work noticed by the people that you look up to and that inspire you is just, like, such a weird, bizarre feeling that I can't quite articulate now. I I will be able to articulate it, like, 10 years from now, you know. But right now, I'm sort of just, like, humbled by it. And if anything, it's pushing me and and I would say the rest of the band to work harder you know um we don't want to stop here like we want to go you know as far as we can and and i think they just like fired us up about it (laughs) i would say yeah
0: Yeah, i I sense from some of the things i've seen that you you guys aren't celebratory about it you kind of kind of shut the good things out and keep going forward so which you know I think that's a path too. I mean, you have to almost do that.
1: Yeah, we're not actually very slow celebratory like especially me like growing up with you know, the way my parents raised me, it's like you know, don't celebrate anything until you're done, but then by the time you're done, it doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> you know, you just keep going, right? I think we're all like that to some extent. I know Jacob the other day was like, "Oh, we should throw a party. Like a little backyard party because our second album is coming out." And I was like, okay i guess like i don't know like i just like the, the journey's not over for me you know like let's just keep you know let's keep going so
0: and you've got some great touring plans coming up right is it in an opening slot position
1: yeah for Foo fighters in december um and then again in march uh, in mexico city and then we have some touring planned in in the UK in May, and and then we'll see what comes, you know, in between and after that. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. Oh, congratulations! That'll be an amazing experience to be. Have you ever been in front of that many people yet?
1: No, no. <laughs> I don't. I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, I don't know if I if I'll actually be able to get nervous because it's so unreal. You know that I feel like I'll just by the time we get up there, I'll be like, all right, I'm just gonna have fun with my 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 friends and, you know, fuck everything else, you know, cause it doesn't really, yeah, I think that's all that really matters. It's
0: going to be, so. well, what an what a amazing experience it's going to be. So, yeah. um, in light of that, I mean, is there, I, everyone wants to kind of carve their own original path with their career a little bit. Um, I mean, but is there anyone out there, is there a career you see is like, Oh man, if I had that person's career, my life is totally complete. In music,
1: oh, I don't know. There's so many uh, different pathways that I think would, you know, make me feel complete. I guess, um, you know, like Dave Grohl has obviously an incredible career, but I would say so does so does Haley Williams. You know, um, all these artists do for different reasons. I think, you know, but you know, I would say what they all have in common is that they have the you know, that they are able to continue creating and making their music to whatever extent that that is, you know um, whatever you need to have the freedom to create. I think as long as we get to do that as a band and, you know, and we all stay healthy and, 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 you know, both mentally and physically, what more could I ask for? You know, obviously I want us to be the biggest rock band in the world. You know, if, if I, didn't say that I'd be lying you know everybody wants that you know but we try not to focus on those things and we try to focus on just like writing honest music and being able to kind of etch out a living from this so that we can go you know as long as we let ourselves yeah and and also I just want to have fun you know, I think it's time to have some fun. I spent my twenties worrying about what I was supposed to be versus what what I actually was. You know, I, I wanna be able to just chill Great. a little That's bit. Fantastic. You know? Um, yeah. is
0: there any uh through these meeting people now that you've been out, you've toured second record, has there been any artist advice from anyone that struck you as like helpful? from another artist.
1: From another artist. Let me think about this for a second. Um Dave obviously gives incredible advice. And um I've been fortunate enough to like talk be able to talk to him quite a bit about it. Um But no, I think I think uh the best advice that I've ever gotten is again from my parents, you know. I think in moments when I'm feeling like I could be doing better. I feel insecure. I just call my dad or my mom and they always tell me like pretty much the same thing which is like doesn't really matter. Like what's going on outside of you, you have to just be happy with yourself and the, and the way to be happy with yourself is to be honest and true to who you are and what your values are and that's all you really need. And I think that's like that's not something that I just carry with myself as a person, but it's reflected so clearly in in the lyrics and and, and the melodies and, and the way that that we as a band perform on stage, and, and so maybe that's what that L.A. Times writer meant by confrontational. It's like maybe it's not confrontational. Maybe it's just like we're just you know being as honest as as we can possibly be, and and that's how my parents made it through their, their difficult times. And so I'm just kind of following them.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So is there, aside from your parents, I know how much they mean in your life. Is there a hero to you in any, you know, doesn't make a difference, director, writer, musician, who's your ultimate hero?
1: Cause I have like a whole list of these. And then every time I get asked, I like go completely blank. Um, there's a few, uh, Dilly Gent is a, is a hero of mine. Uh, I'm lucky she's my manager, but she's also Radiohead's creative director for 25 years. Full-on independent thinker, like creative mind, like fucking warrior. Um, Tina Turner is so sick. Mm. Um, just for what she, you know, what she went through, and you know, coming out on top the way that she did, she's epic. Any person that's like gone through adversity but is able to like, you know, come out of that stronger and better. Um, Haley Williams is a hero of mine. Um, Kim Gordon. It's a lot of them. A lot. It's hard to say. There's so many amazing people out there and amazing artists. Um, yeah. And so,
0: and so with the band, I mean, do you kind of oversee like all any kind of videos you guys make then with your background? I assume you it do
1: definitely. I definitely did a lot on our first record. Um, but on our second record, I kind of made like a point that I was not going to get involved cause I absolutely hate watching myself and like editing a video that I'm in. Like it's, it's just this weird, like meta, like makes me feel like I'm obsessed with myself or like something, you know? So I definitely avoided that on all the videos off our second record um, but I obviously, I do have a hand in the creative, like I do all the artwork, uh, for our band, the single artwork, album artwork, um, everything like, you know, all the visuals kind of, you know, you know, I have a huge, uh, hand in and, and I make them all myself. Yeah. It's
0: a lot of work.
1: It's fun though. You know, it's fun to try to get better at things you didn't think you could do. Like I, I never thought I could make art. I was actually pretty bad at it, to be honest but i feel like over quarantine i kind of like found a little niche you know for myself and a niche art world thing and and i'm kind of you know writing that right now so yeah, i'm awesome. just looking behind me cuz they're like all hanging up on the wall <laughs> behind me like all the killsbird birds like art rejects um <laughs> yeah
0: (laughs) nft time for all of those oh
1: i know i'm like i'm asking (laughs) (laughs) what can i do that for the band yeah
0: well listen thank you so much for your time um kills birds new record married out now um And you guys have some incredible touring coming up, so it'd be really nice to see you guys live. I bet you're incredible live, so.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I hope you get, you know, hope you can come to one of our shows if we play in Austin or wherever you end up finding yourself.
0: (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So, and stay healthy and uh, thank you and congratulations on the new record. Thank Thank you. Thank you for listening. This show originates from the podcast capital, Austin, Texas. My producer is Sean O'Neill. Visit theradicalpot.com for updates and even some merchandise. Also, please subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I also ask that you please share episodes with your friends so we can continue to grow our community. See you all again next Friday.